This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So, did you bring your Bibles with you? Let's open our Bibles together um, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can find that opening in your Bibles. Praise God. Hope you're all having a good week. It is warming up, although I understand it's supposed to get colder this, this weekend in the mornings, so you might want a little jacket or something like that to kind of care for that whole thing, but thank God we're on our way, amen? Snowballs are over. Aren't you glad for that? Come on now. You know, there's something to look forward to here. Hallelujah. It's going to be good. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and... Uh, Hallelujah. Let me find it myself. I guess I'm telling you what to do, and I'm not doing it myself here. Why don't you just bow your heads with me for a moment. We'll pray, and then uh, let me share with you what I want to uh, speak to you about tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you again as we approach the Word of God. We do so humbly, Father. We thank you for the light of life, and we thank you, Father, for the law of the Spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. And not only that, Father, but we thank you for your holy written Word. It is, in fact, your word to our heart, a love letter that's been sent, Father God, so that we can know the will of God as we go through life together, as we fulfill divine purpose, as we do the things, Father, that are pleasing in your sight. And so I thank you for its instruction. I thank you, Father God, for what it provides. I thank you for the liberty that we find in the word of God this evening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Notice with me, this is a familiar portion of Scripture. I just want to look at this one little statement, and then we'll unpack this a little bit. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, notice it says, For we walk by what? And not by what? So we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Tonight, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about the practical application of walking or living by faith. After all, I mean, the Bible says the just, those who have been justified in Christ Jesus, shall live by faith. We live by faith. And you know, a lot of times people, you know, they have a negative kind of connotation to that idea, but I'm telling you, the life of faith isn't anything but negative. I'm telling you, praise God, the life of faith is wonderful. Hallelujah. And it's not to suggest that when we walk by faith, we go without. Now, of course, there may be things that we have to sacrifice in order to fulfill the will of God in our lives. But I'm telling you what, God is well able to take care of us and provide for our every need as we, you know, set out to obey God. Can you say amen? When my wife and I, when I answered the call on June the 11th of 1977 to go into the ministry, uh, we ended up going to a Bible school in September of that same year, and um, we went without. You know, there was a lot of things that we didn't have because I was attending school, and you know, you're limited in the jobs that you can get and the work that you can, you know, have and things of that nature. Now, some of that could have been uh, averted if I would have just listened to the Holy Ghost. I mean, no matter where you go, God will take care of you if you listen to Him. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, but we were determined, even though you know the thing again, and 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 part of that is is that. Um, there was a lot of things we didn't know. 
And so we were learning, and we sure enough did learn a lot of things, especially in that first year that we were at school. But thank God, you know, we kept on, you know, believing God, trusting God, walking with God, doing the will of God, learning, changing, growing, being transformed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And now, I don't know, a long time later, uh, you know, we're blessed. Praise God. Not that we weren't before, but you understand. So the Bible says that the just or those that have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ shall live by faith. Hallelujah. And that's all over in the scriptures. It comes from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 and then also in Romans chapter 1 and 17, also in Galatians 3 and 11 and Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. All of those verses say the just shall live by their faith. So, you know, um, I don't know how it was for you. I'd like to believe it's the same, but I'm telling you what, faith changes everything. I didn't have faith in God as a teenager. I didn't know anything about him. But thank God I got saved. I got turned on to the Word of God. And all of a sudden, I began to discover things that I had never, ever known in all my life. Even though I'd grown up in a mainline denominational church, they didn't teach these things. You know, they just, I don't, I don't know exactly what they taught, but it wasn't anything about the Bible, really you know, in a, in a living kind of way, in a relational kind of way. And so <clears throat> the Bible, you know, when we talk about it, for example, uh, how faith can change your life, just read the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And, you know, we refer to it as faith's hall of fame. But you go down through there and it says that through faith, all of these people did all of these different kinds of things and accomplished, I mean, amazing things. Why? Because they had faith. And uh, so they obtained a good report, as the Bible tells us. And unfortunately, you know, many people, uh, especially I'm talking about Christians, they don't live by faith. They live by what they see or a lot of times, sometimes by the way they feel. And uh, I'm all about feelings. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes you can have some pretty unprosperous kind of emotions that are driven by the way that we feel. And if you don't learn not to be or allow those things to dictate to you how it is that you're going to live, um, they'll throw you and they'll cause you to just, you know, corkscrew yourself into the ground. And Jesus doesn't want that. Can you say amen? So we have to learn, you know, what the Bible has to say and again, walk by faith. Now notice this scripture again with me one more time. You know, it's written in the context of receiving uh, uh, you know, an immortal body. Matter of fact, let's just back up in the chapter here and look at verse one. And the apostle Paul is writing here. He talks about, he says, for we know, everybody say, for we know. So it's not a question about, well, if maybe wonder, you know, how this is all going to shake out or whatever. No, we know. And we know it on the basis of what God has said. Not what the world says. You know, the world says, where is the sign of his coming? Everything continues on and as it was. You know, in other words, they're looking at the past. They're not seeing any changes. But I'm telling you what, suddenly Jesus is going to come again. Hallelujah. You know, things can change in a moment. When God spoke to uh, Noah, you know, he told him to build the ark and it was a long process and he was doing it. No one had ever heard of it raining before because the earth had been um, nourished or moisturized by the dew and all of a sudden everything. And, and my point to that is, is you can be going down the road of life, mind your own business and everything's, you know, just hunky dory and whatever and you're doing what it is you do and suddenly... And, you know, there's a suddenly coming where Jesus is concerned. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Everybody was eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and so on and so forth. And then, boom, 
It happened. And don't think that can't happen because it has happened. And I'll give you a very natural kind of uh, example of that. And it happened on March the 15th, uh, 2019. We're all minding our own business, doing our own thing. My wife and I were down in Tulsa, you know, having um, uh, our one of our nieces was being married. She got married on the 14th. Thank God she got married that day because the next day, on the 15th day of March, everything I mean, everything got locked down in a moment. One day changed everything. And when that happened, now this is all because of the whole COVID thing, but my point is to, to tell you that if you don't think that, that dramatic things can happen in one day, you're mistaken. And the same thing is gonna happen when Jesus comes again. That's why he said, be prepared, be ready, you know, be looking, be doing, you know, following the Spirit of God, you know, obeying Jesus, because in a time when you think not, he's coming. Are you with me? So Paul is talking here in this, he says, for we know that if our earthly tabernacle or earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he went on to explain how we desire that to take place and it ha hasn't as of yet, but thank God it will. In verse six, he says, therefore we're always confident knowing that while we are at home and in the body, we're absent for, uh, from the Lord. For again, we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. How many are looking forward to his coming? Yeah. We're gonna get a new body, hallelujah. This corruption is gonna put on incorruption. This mortal is gonna put on immortality, hallelujah. Death is gonna be swallowed up, glory to God. I mean, that's something to look forward to and it's going to happen. But we, you know, you say, well, how or why or when or whatever. Well, those are <coughs> things uh, limitedly that we do know about, but praise God, we believe that. We have faith in that and we know it's going to happen, amen. Why? Because God said so. Does that make sense to you? So that's what we, you know, that's the way we roll. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have another building. Hallelujah. We're just not going to, matter of fact, I'll, I'll uh, let me read it to you. Um, right here. This comes from the New Living Translation. It says this, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die or leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like, a new, like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Hallelujah, aren't you glad for that? And while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Now listen to this. God himself has prepared us for this. He's prepared us through the new birth to be born of the Spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, and as a guarantee that this is going to occur, he has given us his Holy Spirit. 
How many of you know the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you? And you have the witness of the Spirit on the inside of you. So we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live, now this is the New Living, it says, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Okay? We live by faith, not by sight. So my point to that is to simply say that, you know, the life of faith, living by faith, is something that every believer, praise God, can, can, can uh, and should live by. But again, a lot of times we allow what we see and also what we feel to dictate and to control us. Now, I'm not saying that feelings aren't something that, that have value within our lives, and I'm not saying that, you know, seeing isn't important. I mean, if there's a Mack truck going down the highway, you, you better see him, you know, if you're walking across it. You understand where I'm coming from. But the reality is, is when it comes to our lives and how it is that we're to live, we're to live by faith. So let's ask an important question. What is faith anyway? Well, by definition, the Bible tells us that faith is the substance or the materiality of things that are hoped for. It's the evidence. Everybody say evidence. The evidence of things not seen. Why do we believe we're going to have an immortal body? Because God promised that he would. Not only that, he gave us the guarantee of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to let us know this is going to happen. Hallelujah. I mean, the reality is, is if you're a believer, even if you don't believe it, you're still going to experience it. Bless your heart. Huh? You know? So, so the reality is, is that uh, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it serves as the evidence of what we do not see. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Now, faith is the assurance. Your faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation. It's the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof. My faith serves as the proof, hallelujah, of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact that which is not revealed to the senses. For example, I say, Jesus is coming again. Well, how do we know that? Because he said, you know, he said, uh, in my father's house, there's many mansions. If it weren't so, I would tell you, I've went to prepare a place for you. And if I do, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Well, I don't know about you, but I believe what Jesus said. Amen. Amen? Now, you, there's a whole fo a bunch of folk out there that are unbelieving and don't know straight up from Sikkim, but thank God for what we know. Hallelujah, you get straight up from Sikkim? Yeah. Well, anyway, never mind. We don't have time to explain that. Hallelujah. But, but okay, so, so we're talking about we walk by faith and, we, and not by sight. So here's an important question. How do we assess, how do we deal with our existing circumstances when, when they're contrary to what the Bible says or they're detrimental, we could say, or negative in nature? Have any of you ever, ever had any negative circumstances in your life? Huh? Yeah. Sure enough. But so how do we deal with that? How do we assess that? How do we, you know, appropriately and practically deal with those kinds of circumstances uh, within our lives? It could be financial, you know, financial circumstances. It could be health issues. It could be economic situations. Any of you have been impacted by inflation? Huh? 
I went to the grocery store and bought a gallon of milk for a dollar and seventy-seven cents and wanted to shout. It was great. It's a Walmart. I went down to Wally World. Dun, 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 you know, and then I bought this other uh, little uh, high-powered juice drink, and it was like three dollars and fifty cents. You know, I mean, go figure. Well, anyway, um, but anyway, it could be economics. It could be relational problems. It could be spiritual weakness. It can be even sin in our lives, you know, that, that, that are negative in nature. But here's the main point that I want to make to you about this. In other words, how do we assess, how do we deal with whatever it is that we're having to deal with in our lives? How do we, how do we approach that in a very practical and a very realistic kind of way? Because you know you can do that. And this is the way we do it. When it comes to walking or living by faith, we do so in the light of, of what God has promised. Are you listening to me? So in other words, if I got a situation in my life and it's contrary to what God says, then I have a choice to either believe what he says or what my circumstances say. Are you with me? And it's important for us to get a hold of this because the thing about it is, well, for example, I use my own, my own situation. I told you I, I was 19 when I got saved. And uh, I had a lot of... Uh, I had a lot of baggage. I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of issues in my life. And when I gave my heart to Christ, he changed me from the inside out. And when he did that, I mean, I was a new man, a new creature in Christ Jesus. But all of my external circumstances were the same. Are you with me? I mean, I had money problems, I had relational problems, I had drug problems, I had alcohol problems, I had all kinds of problems. But, thank God I listened to him and began to follow him. Everybody say follow. And so when he, when he began to instruct me, and I've used the example and we won't go into it tonight, but I was in a bar, you know, after I got saved and I'm sitting on a stool and nobody, I mean, it wasn't like God came down, you know, said something loud and clear so that everybody could hear. But on the inside of me, I heard, you don't belong here. And I verbally out loud said, I don't belong here. And so I turned around, we walked out and that was the end of it. You know, are you listening to me? So, so the thing about it is, is that, that God is teaching me a new way of living, all right? But I have to obey him. I have to follow him. I have to do what it is that he says. And, and little by little, as we're going to see, my life began to change for the good. How many of you, do, you, could, you could probably testify that your life's better now than before? Huh? For some of us, that wouldn't be uh, too much of a, a problem, but... And here's the other thing about it, you guys. There were so many things I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, part of that had to do with my own blindness because I hadn't been born of the Spirit of God to even, you know, understand the Bible. But after that, I mean, I was way behind the curve. And thank God I started learning. How many of you were behind the curve? Yeah. You know, so you get into the book and let the book get in you. But <clears throat> again... When it comes to living or walking by faith, we, we do so successfully in the walking in the light of what God has promised. Now, for example, God promised that he would forgive our sins. Huh? 
He said, if you, you know, walk in my commandments, do that which is in my sight, right in my sight. He said, I'll take sickness and disease from the midst of you. The number of your years I will fulfill. That's what God promised, right? But he also said, you know, that I will take your iniquities and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? But you know, sin, when it creeps in, and you say, well, what's sin? That's just disobeying God. When God says, this is the way I want you to live, and you do it another way, that's sin, okay? When you say, well, no, I'm going to do it my way. Well, you can do that, but there's a consequence to it. But thank God the Bible makes it clear that he's promised to forgive us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad for that? So that's a promise that we have from him when it comes to our personal life. So what's that mean? There needs to come, first of all, a confession, you know, of that sin and a repentance. That means to turn away from it. And then God said he'd take care of it. Are you listening to me? And we can be blessed. Are you so glad you came? I can't really tell. Hallelujah. Of course, when you start talking about sin, people get real quiet. Hallelujah. Well, we're done with that now so you can get happy. All right? But even in relationships, you know, the Bible, you know, it tells us what it is that we're supposed to do in relationships. The Bible says that we're to do good. It says that we are to pray for one another. Are you listening to me? You know? The Bible says to do good and communicate or contribute to the support of and, and don't forget these things to keep doing them. Matter of fact, in the scriptures in Matthew 5 and verse 43, Jesus made this statement. He said, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless them who curse you, do good to those that hate you, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons or daughters of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his son, he makes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So we have this instruction. How many of you know it takes faith to love people sometimes? Huh? Absolutely. No question about it. And yet the Bible says that's what we're to do. We don't need to have ill will. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be mad or any of those kinds of things. The Bible says that we're to love and to do good and to pray for him. Hallelujah. Now, you may not feel like you want to do those things, but that's what the, the scriptures instruct us to do. And whenever we obey God, do the will of God, follow God by faith, because that's what he asks us to do, then on the backside of that is great blessing. Can you say amen? It comes every time as a result of our uh, abilities in doing that. Now, here's something that's important. When we talk about relationships and, 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 and dealing with relational kinds of issues, it's important for you to understand that we don't have authority over another person's will. You don't have authority over another person's will. That, you know, that's witchcraft. That's, you know, you can't make anybody do anything. Are you listening to me? But on the other hand, the question is being asked, what am I to be doing when I'm living by faith? Right? So I can't change them, but I certainly can do something with me. Amen? And I can behave myself wisely, and I can do what it is that I need to do. And then they just have to work that out with him. Are you listening to me? Praise God. And that's really, really important because a lot of times people want to pray, but really what they're doing is they're saying, God, force this person to do something different and be different and whatever. And you can't do that. You can pray for them. 
that God would open the eyes of their understanding that their hearts may be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling. You can pray for them that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You know, you can pray for them that way, but at the end of the day, the decision or the choice is theirs. Are you with me? I've been trying to get my wife to change all, you know, for 45 years. I mean, she just won't do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. But does that make sense to you? And the reason that I say it and why it's so important is, is people want to use their faith to change somebody else. Use your faith to change you and let whatever happens there happen. Are you with me? And I'll tell you what, it'll be a whole lot easier, not to mention the fact it'll be a whole lot more scriptural. Even in financial things, you know, the Apostle Paul said, but my God shall what? Supply what? Some? All of your needs according to his riches. Now, is that not a promise? Isn't it in the Bible? My, but my God, my God, I love that. He said, but my God shall supply all your need. Why could he say that? Because he had confidence and he knew the character and nature of God that God would take care of them. Are you with me? And it was, of course, give, it was uh, said in the context of their giving, those that were in Philippi and how that they had given into his ministry. In the context of that, he said, but my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah by Christ Jesus. So I'm telling you what, if you need a miracle, God has one of them. Hallelujah. But on the other hand, you can rest assured that he'll take care of you. Now, <clears throat> Some Christians have thought, including myself, okay, we're all learning here, right, okay? But some Christians have thought, you know, when they read that scripture, they, they, they have thought, well, you know, that means I don't have to do anything. Wrong. That is so false. Let me tell you, dude, I, can, I, could, I could write a book on how that don't work. But people get the mistaken idea when it says, my God shall supply all my need according to the, his riches and glory that I don't have to do anything. And that's not true. It's a falsification. Because if all you do is stand around and say, well, you know, I'm believing God and waiting for him to supply, the only thing that's going to show up is more bills. Are you with me? So, so I, I, I want to address that because a lot of times people, they, they, they miss the boat when it comes to these kinds of things. It's fall, because here's the scripture. The Bible says that he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that right? He will lead you and guide you. Well, that implies that he is going to tell you, speak to you, lead you, however you want to put it, into doing certain things. He may say, stop buying things that you don't need that are way overinflated and you can't afford. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Now, God doesn't care if you buy overinflated things, you know, that are way costly and whatever, if you can afford them. But see, when we can't afford them, then we just dig the hole deeper. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So he'll, he'll lead you. The, the, the first month that my wife and I, um, when we attended Bible school, the first month that we were together, our combined income was $12.50 for the month. And I don't know if you've done the math on that, but I don't even care if it was in 1977. You can't live on twelve fifty. It's because I, said, I, I sold some coupon book to some 
you know, Greek place for 100 bucks, and my commission was 1250 That's what we made. Well, guess what? When you're not making any money, you will pray. Yeah. Huh? You know? And, and the thing about it is, is that uh, in that moment while we were in this, you know, thing where we weren't making any money, I, I think that God just said, you know, I need to help this guy out. You know, and I happened to be in the siding business. And up until that point, all I did was canvas for a salesperson. I would give them the leads and they would take them and sell them. And, you know, we, we're not me. And, and the Lord spoke to me, whispered to my heart. And he just said, you sell the siding. You sell the siding. In other words, he was leading me. He said, this is what you can do or should do. Man, I wish I would have listened. Because you know what I said? I said, I can't do that. And so I ended up working in a lumber yard for 406 bucks a month, and it was rough. It was hard. Are you listening to me? And, and the thing about it is, is here God is trying to help me. And the reason that I said I can't do it is because I'd never done it before. It didn't, mean, it didn't mean that I couldn't do it. It's just in my mind, I thought, I can't do that. And so I, we, we suffered because of that. And I told you the remaining part of the story. We went down to an alumni banquet, and we were sitting across from some guy that came out of Florida and went to Bible school. And uh, he used to be in the mafia, and he got saved, turned on the word, and went to Bible school. That's a pretty good word, huh? Yeah. Well, anyway, I asked him, how, you know, what did you do for a living? He said, I sold siding. I said, hey, I used to be in the siding business. You know, we were talking about it, you know, and this and that and the other. And he said, oh, yeah. He says, man, it was awesome. God blessed us immeasurably. I said, really? He says, yeah, we made four or $5,000 a month. A month. Dude, I didn't even know what four or $5,000 a month looked like. And, and I never heard another word of the guy. He kept talking, but I, I, I wasn't listening. Why? Because at that moment, God, in that room full of uh, over a thousand different alumni people or however many that were down there at the convention center, God said, see, son, I could have done the same thing for you if you would have listened to me. Are you listening to me? But my point to that is, is that he will guide you. He will lead you. You say, well, how's he going to lead me? Well, one of the things you can know is, is that when God leads, he always leads in the way of peace. Not consternation, not frustration, not, you know, um, anxious, anxiety, hurried, we got to do this, that, or the other. He, he'll lead you in the way of peace. He just, again, he just whispered that to me. He said, you sell the sighting. I wish I'd have listened. How many of you think I should have listened? Yeah, amen. Praise God. Life would have been a whole lot different. But, you know, you live and you learn. All right? So if God ever tells you to do something... Don't say, I can't, all right? Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I knew that verse, but I wasn't applying it to that situation, and so we, we missed out on a lot. Are you listening to me? So, so again, whether it's finances, health, uh, current economic circumstances, always ask yourself the question, what has God promised? What has God promised? When my wife and I were first married, interest rates were 12 to 14%. Well, you know, people were just going, my God, how are you supposed to function in this? You know, can you imagine now if interest rates were double what they are right now? 
and, and the functionality, you know, economically and things, the hardship, the difficulties or whatever, you know, and the thing you need to understand, you guys, is, is that it doesn't make any difference what the economic circumstance is. God is fully aware of what it is that's going on. And in whatever circumstance, he will care for you. So that was 40-some years ago when we had that, you know. And then here more recently, you know, we had the economic, uh, the housing crisis in 08, and everything crashed and burned and different, different things like that. Well, you know, God didn't fall off his throne. Now here we are, we're, ex you know, experiencing this inflationary period, you know, within, and, and, and uh, you say, well, what's all this coming, you know, what's, what's, what's it coming to? Well, he's coming to. That's, that's what's happening. But at the same time, my point is, is that in every circumstance, people, you know, have been in famines. You know, Jacob, the Bible talks about the fact, was it Jacob or Isaac that he told him, he said, stay in the land and sow, and he sowed in famine and, re and uh, received a hundredfold. Which one was that? I think it was Isaac. You know, yeah, it was, matter of fact. You know, so here, here you have a circumstance, you know, of dire condition, and yet when God said, stay put, don't go down to Egypt like your dad did, you just stay here, I'll bless you where you're at. And so he did, and again, he sowed in famine, reaped a hundredfold. So whatever the circumstance, the, the problem that we have in our mind is, is that, let's just say we're just not used to it. My God, we're paying $4 a gallon for gas. Now, bear in mind, I got milk for a buck seventy-seven. What a deal! Wow, you know. But I'm just saying that you have to th change the way that you think. You can't look at circumstances without first of all saying yes. But what did God say? God said He'd meet my needs. God said He'd supply everything that I have need of, and things of that nature. How is He going to do that? Well, I don't know, but I'm just telling you that He will. Amen. Praise God. I mean, because everything goes up. You know, just the other day, I, pay, I paid $127 to put fuel in my truck. You know, ding, 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 ding. Well, you know, if you're not careful, you could get discouraged. But, you know, I've come to the place where I don't care. He's going to take care of me. Can you say amen? amen? Okay, and he'll take care of you too. But again, here's the point, the important point. What did God promise what did he say and most of the time people are not looking at what it is that God said people are looking at the existing circumstances in their life can you you understand where I'm coming from so I'm just saying change the way you think hallelujah so faith is believing in the unseen but here's another thing about faith it's not blind you know, just kind of, you know, willy-nilly, and we'll just see whatever, you know, goes on. Your eyes are fixed or focused, again, on what it is that God has promised. You know, the Bible says that God has given his angels charge over us to keep us and protect us in all of our ways. The Bible says, no evil shall befall thee. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So when they get on the, on the radio or the television, they say, well, it's going to hail and this and that and the other. I say, not at my place, not on my property. Nothing of the Kalstrup family or the Tomron family will be damaged. You say, well, that's just foolhardy because, you know, back in 2014, man, something came through here and just cleaned house. I'm telling you what it is that I believe. I don't care what happens. I believe the word of God. It shall not come nigh me. 
Why? Because it's loss. And God is not in the business of loss. Are you with me? So last night when it was threatened, it went some other door. Well, it was up north, I guess it was. And, you know, and then I don't know what. Listen, I'm telling you, praise God, if you'll believe the word of God. And I just said, angels, surround our properties, our homes. Make a canopy upon, on them so that this doesn't come near us. I don't want to go, you know, through all of the hassle and different things, you know, that go on. Do you? No. no. Hallelujah. You say, well, I think that's foolish. Well, okay, no problem. Let's just be happy. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Turn with me to uh, the fourth chapter of Second uh, Corinthians, if you would, please. Boy, you guys are great listeners. Time flies when I'm talking to you. Second Corinthians 4, notice verse 13. We having the same what? Spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. Everybody say, I have a spirit of faith. You have a spirit of faith. We having, not going to, well, we having the same spirit of faith according to what it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For the which cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction momentarily, uh, speaking of this life, is but for a moment and works in us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. Now notice verse 18. While we look not at the things which are what? seen but the things that are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal you know when again i got saved my my life was a wreck but it didn't stay that way some people you know they i mean they get into situations or maybe they just get saved or whatever but they don't use faith they don't trust god they don't believe what he said and so they just stay in it or maybe it gets worse but thank god it doesn't have to be that way can you are you listening to me it can change but now here's an important 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 point and that is for us hallelujah uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm running out of time. The, the problem that so many Christians have is, is that they will not invest themselves into the Word of God enough. Everybody say enough. To bring about God's promise in their life. You know, I mean, in evangelicalism and in, in Christianity today, people are in and out, baby. You know, they come to church, give me what you got, pastor, I'm on my way, I got things to do, people seeing places to go. But I'm telling you that if you want transformational change in your life, you're going to have to let the Word of God dwell in you richly, because it's the revelation of God's Word in you that changes you. Are you with me? But people won't invest that time into their lives to bring about change. Let's say, for example, that you want to get 
Um, well, I'll just use some things that I'm thinking about here. Your securities license, which means that you can uh, buy and sell stocks and bonds and you can trade and do different things, you know, for people and so on and so forth. And you can help them out that way. Now, I've never taken these tests, but they have all these different levels of tests. And I don't know, maybe somebody can help me out. How many of those? I mean, like, are there seven or eight of them? Depends on what you're selling. So there's a general securities license, which is series seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so my point to that is, is that if you're going to take a casual approach to what it is he just got done talking about, you're never going to get your license. If you just piecemeal it, you know, and say, well, you know, I'll just get, forget it. You know, and I have talked to people who've got their license and I mean, man, it is all hands on deck. I mean, it's all in. You're not doing anything but preparing and studying and understanding what it is that you need to know in order to do that. Well, the Word of God is the same way, but you can't get people to invest themselves in it. They're too busy. They're this, they're that, or that don't work, or they don't believe this, or whatever, and so they miss out. It is true. It does work. But you have to invest yourself into the study of the Word of God, and that's why I appreciate the fact that you guys are here tonight. Because at least that's a part and parcel of, of that desire that's in your life. When I got my instrument rating, <clears throat> you know, to fly in the clouds, IMC when you can't see nothing, that type of thing. When I first started doing it, I, I did the same thing. I thought, well, you know, I'll just kind of look this over a little bit, you know, and I'll do this and that and the other. And so I'm talking to my flight instructor and he says, well, how? And, and the point was is that you take your written test and you pass that and then you go out and you do the actual practical flying and things of that nature. So you got to get through the written test first. He said, so how do you, what do you think? I said, well, yeah, I think I'm good. You know, he says, well, come on down and we'll talk about it, you know. So, so I, I come down and we go into a room and he spreads out a couple pieces of paper and he says, well, what's this? I go, I don't know. You know, and what's this? Well, I'm not sure about that either. You know, he says, you ain't ready. <laughs> and so he just said, look, you have got to hunker down or this is not going to happen. And the same thing is true when it comes to the Bible. Are you with me? He said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So you, you, you have to, you know, be committed in order to bring about these changes in your life. Are you with me? I came out of a, a, a background, you know, that we, we financially didn't have much. My dad was an alcoholic. He basically drank most of whatever it is that he made. So it was difficult. It was hard. And we went without and different things. Even though there was resource available, the devil was just devouring it. You know, that's what happens with the curse. So when I got saved and I got turned on to the word of God and I found out, for example, 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper, be in health, even as your soul. That was not my experience. Okay. My experience was always behind, never having enough, not being able to pay my bills, you know, all these, you know, and juggling all this mess and doing all this kind of whatever. And so when I, when I read the Bible and it says that God wants to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, I'm going, yeah, right. And that's what most people do. And I read 3 John 2 and it says, beloved, I wish above or pray and desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospered. That is a picture, that is a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a peek into 
the will, the nature, and the character of God for your life. Beloved, I pray, desire, and wish above all things. God's not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. And yet the church world, you know, they're all jacked up and they don't. And, and I had to fight through all of that. Because you got all these people saying all the, well, no, that's, what, that's not what the Bible says, you know. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty may be made rich. What's rich mean? It means to have a full supply. It means to have more than enough. It means to have life and life more abundant. Amen. You know, to be able not only to care for yourself, but to care for others, to help others when they're in need. Are you listening to me? I didn't know any of that. And so, you know, I had to struggle through it. And just about the time I get my head wrapped around it in my heart, somebody come along and they say, nah, I ain't what that said. That's not what it means. And then all of a sudden, dude, they took and burst my bubble, you know. But finally, I got enough of the word of God on the inside of me to say, I am not staying where I am. I'm going to put God first and first things first. And he said that he would prosper me. You read the Old Testament, you see all these Bible characters, you know, how God blessed their lives. I mean, obviously, if he, he was against it, what in the world was he doing with them? Are you with me? But again, I didn't know that. And so, you, and, and, and this is where the rubber meets the road, because when Paul was writing in Romans chapter 12 and 1, he said, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly or completely, unto God, which is your reasonable or smart service. If you, if you are smart, you will sanctify your body to his service. Are you with me? Yes. And then it goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You, you, you can't do that if you don't renew your mind to the word of God. If you want to be conformed to the world, you want to listen to the world, you want to listen to what they have to say or what they think or whatever, which I do not advise Okay, you can do that. Otherwise, you can get over here, you know, where the word of God is, and you can find out what it is he said, and you can start doing that. And I tell you what, praise God, it'll produce some marvelous results. So don't get discouraged. You know, sometimes you say, yeah, but man, I'm so far behind, you know. what? No, don't do that. That's the devil. Are you listening to me? But here's what I want you to understand. He said, not, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing. And so it implies a process. You're not going to get there overnight, you know? I mean, when we first got started, you know, in ministry, we were in somebody's house. You know, well, we outgrew the house, and then we moved to somebody else's house. And we didn't have any resources or money to speak of, you know, but little by little, pretty soon we ended up with a building over there where the administrative offices and the youth are concerned. That's all we had in 10 acres, wide open 10 acre space. That's all we had. 
But you know, little by little as a process, we continue to grow and we work through things and we listen to the Holy Ghost and we followed him and we built another building because our children's ministry was growing, you know, and different things happened that way. And then, you know, in 2001 or two, uh, one, two, one, 2001, we built this, you know, and again, the whole thing was, is, you know, and I've said this before, you know, people said, well, uh, the architect and everybody else said it was going to be, well, they said 2.1 million. We said, well, no, our budget's 1.5. Well, you know, back in 1978, when I first, or in when I first started uh, ministering, 1.5 million, I would have been unconscious for the rest of my life. <laughs> I didn't know anything about 1.5 million, you know. Not to mention the fact they said it's going to be 2.1. We said, no, it's going to be 1.5. They said, well, you'll never be able to build it. But listen, last time I checked, here it is. Yeah. Are you with me? Matter of fact, they came back to us and said, well, we reconfigured our, our numbers and we think it'll be more like 1 point, or 2.4 million to build it. Now, I don't know what the value of it is right now. Uh, probably 20 years ago or 25 years ago, it was like $3 million dollars. You know, and but what am I saying to you? It, it's a process. You're not going to stay where you're at. You're going to get better. You're going to improve. Life's going to get better. You're going to put one foot in front of the other one. You're going to do the right things and God will bless the work of your hand and he'll cause you to. Be, but you have to believe and think and know this is what God wants for me. If you're questioning that, you, you're, you're, you're static. You stay put. You can't keep moving. Are you with me? But what's unfortunate a lot of times, man, I'm getting into all kinds of stuff here. But what's unfortunate is, is that we, our mentality is, is not understanding that it's step by step by step, that there's seed time and there's harvest. Are you with me? We live in a world of immediate, you know, I want it now. And if it, I don't get it now, then it, it must not be true or it must not work. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. We build our lives. Through wisdom is a house built. And by that, it becomes established, and then it becomes filled with all pleasant and precious treasures. Doesn't happen overnight. Are you with me? You know, we're, a lot of our lives, we're standing on the shoulders of someone behind us. Or, you know, different things of that nature. You know, and, and so it's like in our case where ministry is concerned, we stand on the shoulders of Kenneth E. Hagin. We wouldn't have none of this if it weren't for him and what it is that we learned. He was our spiritual father. We owe everything to what it is that he taught and ministered, you know, whether it's in ministry or even our personal lives. Because, praise God, he walked by faith, not by sight. And he was a person of integrity. Absolutely the most honest man you'll ever meet in all of your life. Well, he's gone to heaven, you know, and he's got his reward. But all of this is because of him and because we chose to believe what God said. Hallelujah. And absolutely the same thing can happen to all of us. So everybody say it together. We walk by faith, walk by faith. and not by sight. Not by faith. Amen. So if you're looking at something that doesn't look too good, thank God, maybe you need to start looking at something else. And that is what it is that he promised. And I tell you, you'll be blessed by it. Let's stand, everybody. It's 06. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wow. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to share with you, but I can't do that now because we're out of time. Come back next week.
What's next week? Yeah, come back next week. We'll talk some more about it, all right? Bow your heads with me. Let's just commit this to our hearts. Father, we just thank you so much. As we pause for this moment, Father God, I just want to thank you that we have a reliable source in you. And every word that has escaped your lips, Father, we know it to be true. So I thank you, Lord, for every person here within the sound of my voice, those that are watching online, that, Father God, that we'll take to heart these things that we've heard, that we'll find those promises in the Scriptures that promise us what it is that we have need of. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. You said in your word, fear not. Hallelujah. You said in your word, you've not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so, Father God, I just thank you for your blessing in our lives. And we do look to you, Father, for your wisdom. And I thank you, Father God, that as each day passes by, Father, that our lives will increase, that it will be better, and that our um, lives as you have planned, Father God, will come into fulfillment. Your goodness and mercy, Father, will rest upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift one hand up toward heaven and just thank him for what it is he's promised in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated for just a moment. Now, here's one thing that you can, that will help you. You know, sometimes we get in situations and we say, my God, I just don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are we going to do? You know, well, it's in those circumstances, if you find yourself in that place, you can just say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know, praise God, that you have a plan. Are you listening to me? So you put it on him, you cast your care onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. So when you get in those hard spots, that's exactly what you want to do. There's so many things, you guys, that, that, that in, at least in our lives, that we didn't know. We don't know what to do. It's kind of like Hezekiah. He says, man, I, you know, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a good place to have your eyes. And then he can speak to you and he can talk to you. Hallelujah. He loves us so much. Amen. We're going to go ahead and receive an evening offering. The ushers are going to come. If you need an envelope, they'll serve you with that. You can do it by giving online. Uh, you can text to give, of course. I know many of you do that. And we appreciate that very, very much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, y'all ready to give? Let's uh, pray together. Father, right now as we come before you, we thank you, Father God. Father, I thank you for these precious people. And I thank you, Lord, that they are pausing to give something that represents a portion of their life. And God, you said in your word that as we give, it'll be given to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give to our bosom. And so I want to thank you for your promise to each and every one of these people as they sow into the kingdom of God. And Father God, I thank you for helping us to be wise with the treasure that you've given to us to advance your kingdom. And we rejoice in your grace and blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, go ahead, guys. You can... If there's anybody 
Anybody got an offering you want to give or did y'all text? Okay. All right. Just make the round. There you go. All right. Well, let's stand, everybody. Praise God. I, I have the privilege of being able to be in the pulpit this Sunday. So I tell you what, praise God, I'm going to preach the paint right off the walls. I'm going to stand up on a stump, light myself on fire, and you guys can watch me burn. Hallelujah. It's going to be great. So don't miss it. And make sure that, you you know, if you get a chance, invite somebody else. And if they got problems, say, I got just the thing for you. Come on to church with me. You'll be blessed. So greet those around you. You can be dismissed. And thank you again for coming tonight, you guys. Be blessed. Drive safe on the way home. You're dismissed. <laughs>